Welcome to the latest episode of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we're discussing Humbug. Original air date, March 31st, 1995. IMDb user score is 8.8 out of 10. Back in the second episode of the season, called The Host, we spoke about Darren Morgan. He was the man inside the fluke man suit, and we mentioned at that time that he'd be coming back, but in a different capacity. This is where that happens. Darren Morgan was Glenn Morgan's brother, and he was both a writer and an actor. And he was invited to write an episode of the show. The thing is, Darren Morgan didn't like the X-Files, at least not in this incarnation. He felt it took itself too seriously. And although there was humor, and there were jokes, especially Mulder's wit, and Scully's got a few good one-liners, they are one-liners that feel like they're more relieving the stress of a tight situation and a high-pressure situation than they really were standalone humor. So one of the things Darren Morgan wanted to do in his episode was fix what he saw as being wrong and challenge a lot of the perceptions and turn things on their heads. And that happens through large part in this episode. This episode is also partly inspired by Glenn Morgan. Now, Glenn Morgan and James Wong had already left to prep and get ready for Space Above and Beyond, but Glenn Morgan had a video of Jim Rose, who was a circus performer, and they were looking for a way to work him into the show. And Darren Morgan did that in this script, which was pretty risky considering no one had discussed this with Jim Rose at the time. This is actually his first acting credit of any kind. As we mentioned back when we were discussing the pilot, the X-Files didn't have a writer's room. Individual stories were pitched to Chris Carter, and that's it. Because of that, Darren Morgan was essentially allowed to work in isolation when he was writing this script and it took him a long time to write it. Even in his previous appearance, a lot of it had been under the fluke man makeup. So on his flight back, he ended up coincidentally sitting next to David Duchovny, and he recognized him as the guy from that show, and Duchovny said, yeah, that's me. Darren Morgan asked for his autograph, and asked him to make it out to your arch nemesis. And Duchovny thought that was strange, but he signed it anyway. It wasn't until after it was signed that Darren Morgan explained he was the guy inside the fluke man suit, and he was writing the next episode. And this was a major break from the ordinary. This was all about judging based on perceptions. Muller and Scully are investigating a murder in a town that's populated by circus performers. And a lot of this ended up challenging perceptions and flipping things on their ear. So they needed someone that they could trust for this. The network was pressuring them not to do it. They felt it was too early for the show to start poking fun at itself. But Chris Carter and his group They had faith in it, and they were also, at this point, finally getting strong enough ratings that they could really fight the network on points like this. It was really starting to turn into a hit between the fan reaction to Scully's abduction and to Colony Endgame. The ratings were there. So they were allowed a little bit of independence and leeway because they could basically prove we do know what we're doing. So they asked Kim Manners to direct it, which terrified Kim Manners. This was only his second episode of the series. The first one is Diane Diverletzt. And he recognized this for the big risk it was. This could sort of make or break his involvement in the series from then on. If it didn't work, he at least he felt it could be at risk. Kim Manners was also famous for having quite the potty mouth. It would have been interesting to be on set at this time if he was that stressed on top of that. But they were able to pull it off. And this is the first episode that puts comedy first. As I said, it tends to flip things around. So for the most part, this is actually a mundane villain rather than a monster. There's a little bit of genetic anomalies. Not a lot compared to the usual 
Mulder is looking for a mundane explanation. Scully's the one who realizes what's really going on, and then it's out of the ordinary. We've got quite the cast. The most notable face is probably Vincent Schiavelli, who unfortunately passed away on Boxing Day 2005. If you don't know him by name, you'll know him by sight. He's got a huge list of credits behind his name. He's one of only two people to be a villain for both Batman, as the organ grinder in Batman Returns, and for James Bond. He was the assassin and the torturer in Tomorrow Never Dies. He was also the ghost on the subway in Ghost, who taught Patrick Swayze how to interact with the coin. He was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was in Amadeus. He also appears in a lot of detective shows from the 1970s and 80s. He's got a very distinct look. According to his IMDb entry, he's also the author of three cookbooks. Now, we also have Wayne Grace, who's got 98 credits both before and after this, including Dances with Wolves, Mulholland Drive, Far and Away, The Chase. He appeared on a couple episodes of Matlock, on a few incarnations of Star Trek. He's another guy where, if you don't know him by name, you'd know him to look at him. We have Michael J. Anderson, credited as Michael Anderson, in the role of Mr. Nutt. He had previously worked with David Duchovny on Twin Peaks. Uh, Jim Rose was able to come in. We've got Alex Diakin in here, in his first of three appearances in the X-Files series, all three of those being in comedic episodes, and he will also appear in the second film, which we'll discuss near the end of the series. If all goes as planned, we'll be discussing that in our December 14th, 2021 podcast. What we have here is a nice way to turn the show on its ear, and Darren Morgan is starting to come in as a writer on the series. And it's a different writing style. It doesn't go to sort of the farcical comedy that we saw a little bit of in, say, when Star Trek went to the Trouble with Tribbles, or some of the other shows that have gone to comedic episodes. This is wit and satire and situations. We're going to see three more scripts from Darren Morgan by the end of the series. He's going to appear as an actor again. He also wrote a couple episodes of Millennium of Tower Prep, and he's actually still producing these days. He produced a few episodes of, the, of Fringe, he produced Tower Prep, so he is out there still working and still getting the job done, although his involvement in the X-Files basically runs from seasons two through four. And when they were filming this episode, they did bring in a lot of genuine circus performers to play the roles as well. So they brought in the man known as the Enigma to play the conundrum, and so on and so forth. They even reproduced a few tricks, some of which did not go as planned. There's a scene where the Enigma, or the conundrum, is eating live crickets. And Scully's, as a character, is supposed to do some sleight of hand, pretend to eat a cricket, but not actually do so. The way they were going to film it was actually by having craft services mock up a fake edible cricket out of what we consider normal food, put that in the jar with the live crickets. Julian Anderson was to look in, find the stationary cricket that would be the fake one, pull that one out, eat it, and then do the sleight of hand with the genuine cricket later. That didn't go as planned. One of the real crickets actually did sit motionless in the jar. So in that scene, Julian Anderson really does eat a cricket. But kudos to her. You would never know by her reaction on screen. You can only find that out digging through trivia and stuff in other sources. So all in all, this was a departure from the usual, and it does turn some things on its ear. It's a lighter episode after a couple of serious ones going into some serious ones, and it also establishes a precedent that the X-Files can go both ways, and we can have the intense and serious episodes. We can also have the comedic episodes. 
And the comedic episodes, when done well, are done very, very well. They do a good job of making sure that if they're going to go that route, that they do the job right. And we're going to see a lot of that, especially through seasons three to five. That about wraps up what we have to say about Humbug. Please join us again in two weeks as we discuss the Kalasari. Thank you. Intro and outro music is Outside Poolside by Laswell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content copyright 2015, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments or feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening.